connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. Hello, everyone. I'm Christy here with the rest of the AOC gang, and we're back with another episode of Mind on Media Conscious Conversations, where we're always increasing the dialogue around relevant media literacy topics. And today we are taking on the topic of online misinformation and disinformation um, and how this has influenced and really affected our societal culture and behavior um, and just outright perceptions of reality. So um, as we jump into it, you guys know I like to start off with like a term definition for viewers watching. So um, I will break down those two words. Um, and while they are both very similar in that they do deceive audiences. Um, when we say misinformation, we're referring more so to false out of context information that's presented as a fact, regardless of an intent to deceive someone. Um, whereas disinformation is more so intentionally and maliciously deceptive. So both forms often involve widespread dissemination, whether or not the person who's sharing it is aware of the inaccuracies. So with that said, um, we'll just jump into our conversation for today. Um, interesting because our podcast for today actually falls on the one year anniversary of the 2020 insurrection at the US Capitol. So um, although we're now like one year beyond the whole incident today, I know it's still getting a lot of heavy media coverage um, just because of the messages that um, spoke so or spoke so loudly by opposition groups who you know formulated the attack. So just in reflection today, can, can you guys help me uh, recap a little bit to viewers why the insurrection was uh, so troubling for U.S. democracy? I'm going to go off by saying, what do you mean insurrection? I can tell you right off the bat that that was just a bunch of tourists. The term insurrection was brought up by people who were trying to vilify the awesome president that is now living in exile. And I can show you where I read that in a newspaper. That is a thing uh, that people are saying. Yeah, uh, but that yeah. is an example exactly of how come we are where we are now. And, and, and this the but, misinformation and disinformation, and then there's the, the self-perpetuating money behind it. I'm gonna then about the capitalistic nature of our information distribution system. And that's why we're screwed. Anarchy is next. Cheer well, up there, Mandy. Come on, anarchy is next. I think. There we go. That's a small. That's to, better. To get back to Christie's question, I guess why it it was so jarring. It's that whole peaceful transition of power thing that's been sort of like a a cornerstone of why why we think our government's good because essentially our government for years and years was able to transition leaders without violent conflict. And not not all the time, not not for the the entirety of the existence of you know this this experiment over here. But uh, this latest one was it's the only example that I can think of. I, I, I want to say two hundred years, but I definitely don't have the numbers. Um, yeah, it's uh, the the whole thing was. Uh, watching it unfold on the six a, a year ago 
was for me at least just a, a punch in the gut of how like matt calls it how fragile this experiment really is how how quickly we can kind of see it destabilize if we're not careful and if we don't kind of hold to these traditional norms that have that we've all kind of had an agreement that should be in place to make sure that everything continues. That's a, I would agree completely. Our, sorry, Mandy, our perception of realities were uh, so visibly altered. Um, the state of shock set in, I mean, like literal shock, uh, as if it was a concussion grenade. Reality was, reality is over was confirmed that day. Sorry, Mandy, go ahead. I was just going to say it was it was terrifying to see to see that and it looked like um, graphics that I've seen uh, images from other countries when violent uprisings were happening and I just never expected it so I never expected to see that on our capital I was really shocked by it um, even though I've seen the QAnon stuff that's going on and read the comments on our local uh, internet TV I know people are are really misinformed uh, and it's scary to me because they don't realize that and are just perpetuating it and it just spreads and spreads and spreads until something like this happens. Yeah, yeah and I think even to, um, you know, to Ed's point that, that you mentioned earlier, like there is a lot of circulation of um, taking the, the word insurrection and like trying to downgrade it into, okay, this was our, this was a, this was a protest sort of thing. It's, kind of troubling to see. Um, but yeah, just in looking at the actions and like the rhetoric that led up to the whole insurrection, I think that, um, you know, we can clearly see how disinformation campaigns um, largely perpetuated and emboldened by the former president uh, played just a really big role in everything that transpired. Um, I think even looking at statistics from just the past year, like 29%, like a third of Americans still believe that the 2020 election was stolen from the former president, you know, despite there being no real widespread evidence of voter fraud. Um, I think all of that just sort of speaks to the challenges that we're currently sitting in. Um, as we like approach the 2022 midterm elections for this year, we've got all of the House seats, I believe, are up and a third of the Senate seats. Um, I'll throw this question out as far as um, social media. Do you guys think that social media companies are currently putting forth um, efforts to dismantle the widespread misinformation, considering where we plan to be um, going the end of this year with the election? I think they're putting up the illusion of putting up protections uh, and have no, um, they're not willing to cross the line of free and open and profit far enough to be of real worth to protect us from disinformation. It's There's too much disinformation and there's too much money involved by letting some of it go. So they're going to control the flow and it's going to be like going to the airport. Uh, you know, you go through this whole charade of being x-rayed and felt up and all that stuff. At the end of the day, they've proven a million times you can carry an elephant through those things uh, if you're crafty. So that the media companies are going to do their version of that. And maybe it's the cynic in me. Uh, 
but I think they they perhaps bow to a higher master that is uh, maybe maybe it's Russian money. I, any conspiracy you want, I don't see. I don't see them doing. I think they're going to say they will. There's going to be legislation that requires it, but I think it's not going to really happen. In my opinion. Sorry to be a downer, man. I don't. I think the truth of the matter is that there's not a lot that they can do about it and offer the same product they're offering, and right. so you know they they can put algorithms in place to scan for things. They can update those algorithms regularly. They can try and, but there's always going to be corners of you know, with a global communication infrastructure like we have, there's going to be corners where extremists collect. And again, that's why it's so important for consumers to be somewhat aware, to have some guidelines to say to themselves, like, who am I getting this information from and how do I verify it? I think I think Matt's right. Uh, with just how long these companies have been doing what they're doing in the form that they're doing it, I think, I don't even think it's a conspiracy at this point. I think just logistically, it would be so challenging for them to try and do that kind of, make that kind of an effort that it's, I mean, it's not in their best interest at this point. It would, it would be such a monumental task for them. Um, I was reading something recently that um, that Facebook actually um, only put, does the fact checking uh, mostly in the United States, like more than 90 percent of all of the fact checking and things that are done is done here. So they're not spending any resources in other countries uh, that led to a genocide. Actually, I think it was Myanmar uh, in 2018. They were stirring up all of these conspiracies and it led to political violence. So it, it can happen. It can happen here. It is happening here. Yeah. <laughs> it is happening. <laughs> And it, you can't blame it all on Facebook, but you can blame you can blame it all on the internet. Uh, that the people are not using the U.S. Post Office to wrangle these kind of things up, <clears throat> and it it's all based on on I don't know. Well, and the weird group. part is, especially for us free speech advocates, that essentially that like blaming it on the internet is, is you're kind of blaming it on the democratization of broadcast, yeah. you know, means of broadcast. Okay. Sorry, I think it's just like the nature of what people consider news or information, Um, because you see a lot of people just sharing a screenshot of something from God knows where or who who wrote it. It's just a screenshot with saying this happened and that's a lie. And this is and that's what people are taking as as fact, because they're they're so misinformed. They don't I don't know how to fix that. How do you fix that? Well, the motivation for the person who forwards the original propaganda, say say the bot or the the company <clears throat> or the, the talk show host who wants to stir something up creates the original uh, ludicrous statement, the the ultimate in disinformation, almost almost mal is malicious information, really serious lie. The person who then starts to forward it, what's their motivation to forward it? Uh, it was probably not the, even their original thought, but they forwarded it as if it were the gospel. I have a, a their in-laws. I'm not blood related to them, but I have I have in-laws that forward stuff that's just it practically says "Made in Russia" on the bottom of it. Um, it what what is their motivation to share that? Why don't they just say, eh, "Okay, I'll believe it. This will be me." But 
they have to indoctrinate me to their way of thinking. Why why don't they just shut the it's almost like a provocation sending it to me. Uh, but well, and that's kind of at the heart of what we're talking about today is the the person who originates or creates that content. That's the disinformation, right? It's the people that are that are then spreading that the the memification of getting that information out there is is the misinformation. Correct. And and yeah, the, I, it, at some point, it comes back to what what is their real motivation? Is it is it clicks? Is it likes? Is, or is it just straight up the the dismantling it's, of of the, the democratic experience? You know, it's a serotonin boost when they get a like. Science has proven that. Yeah, I think it's akin to what they, you know, what they used to say about why people join gangs is because they're like looking for families or they're looking for teams like, you know, I think they they find a place where there's a lot of emotion, a lot of backing each other up, a lot of camaraderie um, and and they have an opponent to fight against. So they have some sort of purpose or objective. You're you're now instead of just being a family member, now you're an opponent that they can try and convince to join their team. Yeah, I think in reading somewhat about the psychology uh, on that too, Matt, it's, as far as the the opponent and feeling like you are being shunned or isolated from another particular group pushes you more to, I guess, build more of a loyalty to people who are, you know, more like-minded um, individuals. So uh, I don't know, it's interesting to see how all that sort of connects. And scary. Yes, <laughs> definitely a bit troubling. Um, but um, I, and I will say, as I, as I always mentioned, that media literacy education, I'm going to put that out there because it's, it, it's such a super useful tool to remain and engage and inform citizen, which is just pivotal to a functioning democracy, um, civics education, all those things. Um, I know as we are sort of looking forward to the rest of the year and the next, um, I think, 359 days to go. Um, do, do you guys think that we have anything um, else that are, are like our greatest 2022 challenges as far as the spread of information that, that viewers should be sort of abreast to? I think it's going to be on, like, pick any phrase. It's on big time. We got a big election coming up in 2022. Uh, it's already probably already been written and it's been loaded into the bombs they're going to be releasing and the, the intensity of misinformation, disinformation, the information that's completely irrelevant to everything but clogs up the airways <clears throat> it's going to be it's going to be worse by an exponential amount than it was last go around when it was bad and swayed swayed elections all over the place including locally. Uh, is going to happen. We're, we're going to think it was bad last time. We're going to see some stuff in 2022. That's my prediction. I have a challenge that might be, I don't know, maybe it's more of a fun challenge, but I recently heard a statistic. Of course, I don't remember the exact statistic, but essentially it boils down to most American citizens cannot pass the nationalization test, the test that we, the, the basic oh. civics test that we make immigrants take. 
So my yeah. challenge to everybody is go out there and find a copy of the naturalization test. Try and take it. If you don't know stuff, learn stuff. Because I think, you know, if we, our basic understanding of how government works is so skewed here that probably there's not two people who would tell you the government works the same if you're just walking down the street polling people. Um, and I think the more people know about how it works, maybe the more they can make it work properly. Matt, that's really kind of a cool uh, promotional idea is we just say, can you pass the test challenge? Uh, we could turn that into a virtual thing and have dancing and everything. You know what we could do? Shameless uh, interactivity with the audience plug here. What we can do is we can grab the questions from that. We can put one out a week on this podcast and encourage the audience to write back into us. And if they get the right answer and their answer is chosen, we can give them an AOC bottle opener keychain. Or two, and a, a, and a koozie. And a koozie. Yeah, and a backpack and two t-shirts. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, for a good show, buddy. It's a good show, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm all for that that idea as well, Matt. I think that's a great idea. And it's just great homework for viewers to go and um, actually look that up. I haven't looked at it in a while. But, um, but yeah, thanks for throwing that in there. Um, but yeah, we will go ahead and wrap up this episode for today. Um, just hope you guys remember that that fake news and distorted news is is not a new thing. It, it's been a part of media history for quite some time since like the printing press days. Um, but we are seeing just on a larger scale some of the, the consequences uh, that can happen when whenever we do have you know these these threats that ex that exist. You can find more info about AOC, all things media production and media literacy, on our website at aocinc.org. And we hope you guys join us again for more Conscious Conversations. Till next time.